0: As we continue equipping ourselves to minister healing and deliverance, we address
1: several common questions such as, why aren't we demonstrating more of God's power? Don't demonic powers also demonstrate the supernatural? Is asking for signs wrong? What about false prophets in sheep's clothing? Isn't entering into eternal life more important than being healed or delivered? Stay tuned for this important message. As we uh, continue talking about ministering healing and deliverance what we're doing here on sunday mornings is uh, uh, is kind of a summary or an overview of, of a lot of detail uh unfortunately on sunday morning we just have you know limited time so we don't have uh, the liberty to go into too much depth and detail uh, but hopefully in a week or two you'll have the entire uh, content that we're going to cover in our book uh, that will be given out to all of us and so we we can all go back and study that in detail as we uh, as we equip ourselves on ministry healing and deliverance I just want to emphasize or reiterate why we are doing this why are we talking about healing ministry healing and deliverance uh, you know many of us we leave the ministry to a select few right? okay pastor will do it so-and-so will do it, the evangelists will do it. But really, Jesus is sitting up in heaven and saying, hey guys, I want all of you to be doing this. Jesus is sitting up in heaven and he's saying, I want every one of my people to be doing this. All right, so the Lord is in heaven and he's saying, I want every one of my people to be doing this. Amen. Finally, we got it. (laughs) of God's power of healing and miracles is not just reserved for a few people uh, and then the rest of us just remain as spectators. No, that's not God's intent. What God desires is for all of us to see His power flow through our lives and see signs, wonders, and miracles take place through all of us. That's God's desire. That's the desire of the Lord. And so we are making this journey in order to see that happen, see that fulfilled and and, and, and we need to equip ourselves, learn and understand and and, and begin to do it. Step out and do it. And the more we do it, the more results we'll see, the more healings will take place, the more miracles will take place. And then it'll be natural. It'll be a common thing for us to minister this way. And and so we're making this journey. It will take us some time, but how are we going to do that? As we began to study last Sunday, we. One of the key points we emphasize is that supernatural healing is not in a method but it's in, a per- it's in the person of jesus christ amen it's not about the method you know you can lay hands you may you know you may anoint with oil you may it's not about the method it's not about even the process it's about the person of jesus christ it's about his presence if he is present he does the work so let's not get so fixated or focused on a certain method or a certain process and saying unless you go through this only then you'll get your healing no it's not about the method it's not about the process it's about the person of jesus christ he is the healer and what we're doing is learning how to work with him so that he can use all of us each one of us to bring healing and to live quickly to review last time that we talked about uh, uh, Eight reasons why uh, we, why miracles, healings, and deliverance. I'll just mention them here this morning. i uh, just to repeat it. First, we said miracles, healing, and deliverance, they reveal that reality are the nature of God. And we want to demonstrate God's reality, God's nature, that people see signs, wonders, and miracles. Number two, miracles reveal God's greatness. And our God is great, He is greater than what man may find impossible. God's greater than that. Miracles, number three, miracles demonstrate God's compassion. God is a compassionate God. He loves people and that's why He heals. That's why He works miracles for them. Number four, miracles have a powerful effect on people, especially those who do not believe. When they see the miracles, then they have to make a choice to believe in the message we are preaching. Number five, because of the importance Jesus gave to miracles. In the ministry that Jesus did for Him, miracles were important. He emphasized that. Number six, because God's kingdom comes with power. There are two kingdoms in conflict, and God's kingdom is more powerful, much greater than the kingdom of darkness. And when God's kingdom comes, the powers of darkness have to recede. Number seven, because the gospel is to be preached with accompanying signs. And number eight, because miracles encourage people to believe for more of the supernatural. Today, what we want to do is we want to lay a good foundation. You want to answer different kinds of questions related to this whole subject of ministry, healing, and deliverance, and that's one of the things we will be doing as we go along. Is that we will keep answering questions that people have, different kinds of questions. So Until we do a few this morning, and in the weeks to come, we'll pick up on other questions that people normally have concerning this whole area. Why doesn't everybody get healed, or? Uh, why do you know we see partial healings or, or different kinds of things we will talk about, we will address these questions as we go along and so this morning want to pick on a few of these questions uh, our intent is to lay a good foundation help us uh, have a solid foundation so that when we go to pray for the sick and minister to the sick we do it with confidence in our hearts you know, not out of ah, I hope it works this day now that when you minister to somebody, you minister with boldness, with confidence, and, and once all these doubts and confusions and questions have been addressed, it gives us the liberty to minister that way, uh, with boldness and confidence uh, to people. So that's why we'll, we will be answering questions as we go along. This morning, let's pick out a few questions. Why are we not demonstrating more of God's work or God's power in, in the church? Why isn't the church, uh, when I say church, not only really us, but body of Christ in general. Why are we seeing more of of this happening? Uh, Why are are more miracles, signs, wonders happening uh, among God's people? Here are some reasons here I want to quickly run through. Number one, because there is a lack of knowledge. In Isaiah 5.13 and Hosea 4.6, God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. On Isaiah 5.13, He says, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. It's because God's people don't know these things. And we don't see it. We live far below what's actually available to us and what actually God intends for us. And that's why we need to know the Word. We need to know the things of God. And so we talk about it, we study it, and we grow in it. We grow in our knowledge and understanding. And that leads us into experiencing the things God has for us. Another reason is because there is wrong teaching concerning God. The supernatural and all kinds of wrong things are being taught in many churches and to speak out of ignorance is a very dangerous thing because you really end up saying a lot of things that may not be true and there's a lot of wrong teaching for example you may have heard well you know miracles the days of miracles are over they ended when the last apostle died we don't need miracles today the whole idea of sensationalism that miracles have ceased when John, the last apostle, died. So can you imagine, you know, John was about 90 years old. People say, quick, line up, make a queue outside his house. He's got two more days to do. If you need a miracle, it's got to be now. Because in two days, miracles are going to cease. I mean, how absurd that would be. Because it's not John who's a miracle worker. It's Jesus who's a miracle worker. And Jesus is alive. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the miracle worker, still the one who heals and delivers and sets people free. Or you may have heard another reason is um, number three is because we leave the miracle ministry to a few select people. You know, maybe the healing evangelists or maybe, you know, this person or that person. But that's not even biblical because the Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. Are you a believer? We be have a few believers in church this morning. Are you a believer? Yes. These signs will follow those who believe. They'll follow you and me. In his name, we cast out devils, speak with new tongues. We take up sufferings, and we drink any deadly thing not unheard of. We lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Is what Jesus said. So this whole idea of, okay, let's leave healings and miracles to a few people, they are the ones who do it, is wrong. And that's one reason why we don't see more of it. Each one of us had to embrace what Jesus said in his word and say, it's me. I will lay hands on the sick. And I'm expecting to see them recover. I'm expecting Jesus to use me in this way. Number four is, uh, why why don't we see more of God's power? Uh, Because sometimes we replace the supernatural with modern substitutes. Now there's nothing wrong with having uh, the use of technology, uh, media, uh, other resources that we have to uh, communicate the word of God, but these cannot substitute the power of God that must be present and at work to the life of the believer. Amen? We can't substitute that. We will use technology, we use these tools, but the power of God is something we must desire for and say, God, we want to see this happen in our lives. We want that to be uh, demonstrated in us and through us as God's people. Number five, sometimes we're unwilling to press in till we see more of God's power displayed. We don't want to press in. We don't want to have, make that spiritual effort to see the power of God. We prefer attending bedside assembly. But if you and I are going to see more of the power of God, it's going to take a certain amount of spiritual aggressiveness, a spiritual focus and pressing in to the things of God. Jesus said in Matthew 11 verse 12, He said, From the time of John the Baptist until now, meaning this thing started from the time John the Baptist came. From the time of John the Baptist, He said, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence taken by force. Meaning, we have to be spiritually intense to experience the things of the kingdom of God. If we are passive, laid back, unwilling to make an effort to get in and experience God, the things of God, the devil will be most happily keep us outside of those things. But the kingdom of heaven experiences violence and the violent takings by force. There's a certain amount of forcefulness, aggressiveness that is required for us to. Experience the things of the kingdom, because there's an enemy that does not want us to get in there. It much rather have us stay where we are. Last reason here is there could be other roadblocks, of the supernatural, like not stepping out of faith, or depending on methods and of God's presence, or being discouraged from past failure, or sometimes even improper motives. If we are doing this because we want a name and a thing for ourselves, uh, that's that's a hindrance actually uh, to the whole world. and so. I want us to understand that all of these reasons can be addressed. None of these things are permanent. None of these things are, are there that say, okay, therefore you can never experience the power of God. No, all these things can be addressed. The lack of knowledge, we're addressing it now by talking about it. Now, spiritual aggressiveness, we need to stir ourselves up and begin to pray more and seek God more and ask God to use it. So all these things can be addressed and you and I can be a people who will demonstrate the power of God in and through our life. Let's look at another question here concerning ministry, healing, and deliverance. The question is this, or the point is this. Don't demonic powers also demonstrate supernatural? Uh, so people may say, hey, but you know the devil can do miracles. Yeah, the devil can do. Jesus said that. Uh, Paul wrote, it, wrote about it in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9, that even Satan comes with the, with lying signs and miracles. Now, how many of you know that there are counterfeit thousand rupee notes? There are, right? So, when you go to the gas station somewhere, you give a thousand rupee note, they look up at the sky. <laughs> yeah, are like, what are they doing here? No, they're checking. Is this a genuine one or is a counterfeit one? Because there's some some ways you can tell a genuine from a counterfeit. Now, how many of us have stopped using thousand rupee notes just because they're a counterfeit thousand rupee notes. Just because there are counts, there are. There is counterfeit thousand rupee notes. It doesn't mean you stop using the genuine. All you do is you be careful, to avoid the counterfeit, and use the genuine. The counterfeit only serves to accentuate the importance of the genuine. The genuine is so important that's why the devil said, "I'm going to make sure I get some counterfeit around to deceive you." So we don't stop pressing into the genuine working of God's power and healings and miracles just because there are lying signs and wonders done by powers of darkness through whatever agency he may choose, whether people practice witchcraft, black magic, white magic, sorcery, whatever, just because there's a counterfeit, we don't stop pressing into the genuine. Amen. And that's the same throughout the Bible. We'll just look at some examples. Think about Moses. Whom, whom God sends to Pharaoh and says, Moses, you take this rod with you, with which you will do great signs and wonders before Pharaoh. So Moses is like, Wow, man, I've got this rod. Pharaoh is going to think it's really cool. He's going to let the people go, you know. So he goes before Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, God sent me. And he said, Give me a message. Let my people go. Now Moses was really, really uh, excited the first time he comes with Pharaoh because now he's like, I've got a rod in my hand. And it's going to be really impressed. And so he says, as a sign that God has spoken and sent me, here it is. And he throws a rod and it becomes a snake. And Moses feeling all so proud, so glad to like in Pharaoh's face, you know. He's waiting for that response from Pharaoh saying, yes, 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 take it me. But what happens? Pharaoh turns around and he looks at all the magicians in his court. And all of them run off to the back room to bring their rods they come and they throw it and all their rods become snakes. Can you imagine Moses' reaction at that moment? <laughs> he must be reaching for his mobile phone. You know? Like, Dad, what are you trying help heaven, you know? <laughs> and he says, Gabriel, I need to speak to God. re urgent. put him on the phone, you know? And Gabriel's running with the phone. they got God, Moses of the line. You know? And uh, God you never know, told me this is going to happen. What do I do now? And God says, Moses, just watch the rest of the show. <laughs> Just relax, watch. And so Moses standing there, and and he sees his snake swallow up all the others, as a sign that look, God's power is greater. And what happens as a as Moses continues doing the second and the third miracle, the magicians of Egypt are able to do up to the third, but beyond that they are unable. And when Moses does a fourth miracle, their response is, "This is the finger of God. We can't do this."
0: message for us
1: is listen we need to press in and demonstrate more and more of God's working and God's power until people say this is really God this is no time for us to back off and say let's leave the supernatural to others this is a time for us to press in and demonstrate more and more until people say this has to be the living God amen even when Jesus ministered Matthew 12 People accused him of doing it by the power of Beelzebub, the power of the devil. Did Jesus go back to the father and say, okay, father, we need a new strategy now. Because they people are thinking healings and miracles are of the devil. No, he just kept going. Just kept doing the things the father wanted him to do. And so the point we must understand is, if there's a counterfeit, it also necessitates the emphasis that must be placed on the judgment. So we got to press it. Jen. Amen. All you're you're say amen. <laughs> Next question is asking for signs wrong. Now some of us theologically have been taught it's wrong to ask for signs. Don't test God. Now, what do you see in the gospels? In the gospels, in Matthew, Luke, and John, you find that there were three groups of people the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. They would come to Jesus at different times. I've just listed some of the verses here, but they would come to Jesus at different times and they would say, What sign do you give us? What sign do you give us that you are the Messiah? And on every occasion, to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to the Sadducees, Jesus responded, it is an evil and an adulterous generation that seeks for a sign. I will give you no sign except, he says, Jonah was in the belly of the whale, or in John he says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. In other words, in, in every case, he said the only sign I will give you is my death and resurrection. Jonah being in the whale, whale belly of the whale. Destroy the temple and I'll build it up. It's all referring to his death and his resurrection. So, when these people came, and, and, and the Bible records, these people came, they came to test Jesus. They came to dispute with Jesus. So, when people came with this kind of a heart to test him, dispute him, dispute with him, he said, Sorry, I'm not going to give you any sign except my death. Resurrection. And he called them evil and adulterous. The people. But in the remainder of the gospels. Multitudes would come. For the same thing. They would come for healings. Miracles. And Jesus never turned them away. Because they came with faith. With desiring to receive something for themselves. Or for somebody they knew he never turned them away he gave them all a miracle a healing so the answer to the question is what's your heart if you're coming to test him dispute with him argue with him he will say the only sign i'll give you is my death and resurrection but if you come saying, lord i need signs i need miracles because either i need it personally or i want to help somebody else he will readily accommodate that request amen so it all depends what's your heart but we are pursuing science, wonders, miracles, because we want to see people help us. Those who whom medical science cannot help and, and, and medicines can't do anything more. We want them to experience the power of God in healings and miracles, so they will know that God really loves them and cares for them. That's what we I'm pursue. I want us to, I want to assure us He'll always come. He will be with us. Amen? Because he sees our heart. Another question here is. What about false prophets in sheep's clothing? You know, didn't Jesus talk about them in Matthew 7, this is 15 to 27. Did he say that there'd be many false prophets to come? They will say, Lord, in in your name we've cast out devils, we've prophesied in your name, we've done all these great things. And Jesus said, he will tell them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what about that? I mean, we don't want to be associated with that kind of people. Good question. Yes, Jesus said that there will be false prophets who will come in, in His name and do great wonderful things. But He didn't never nowhere does He say therefore stop doing the miracles. In fact, He commissioned His disciples to go out, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast the Go do it anyway. But He did tell us in that passage how to identify false prophets. Firstly he said by their fruit you will know them. What is the outcome? What is the fruit? What is the result of what they do? Do they draw people to themselves? Do they take people away from God? Or do they move people towards Him by their fruit? What's the fruit? Are people uh, drawn closer to God? Are people encouraged to follow God more closely? That's the fruit you look for. And secondly he said they practice lawlessness. That means these false prophets, they preach one thing, but they don't practice it themselves. They don't live by the same word. They don't build their house on the rock by doing, hearing, and doing the sayings of Jesus. So that's the second test. Are they just preachers, or do they practice the word? Or are they do they practice lawlessness? Do they violate the word in the life they live? It's the second test. The point here is this. Just because there are false prophets, doesn't mean we should be scared of pursuing the Gentiles Amen. Are you with me? Yes or no? Okay. I know it's nice, gloomy, sleepy weather. But let's stay awake. Couple more questions here. Next question. Isn't entering into eternal life more important than being healed or delivered? True. We agree. It's more important to be saved and to make sure that eternally you're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven than to receive a physical healing or uh, having a temporal need met—that's more important. Jesus said, "Mark eight: What will um, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul?" We know that. But nothing can, that nothing can—that nothing's more important than the eternal salvation of a person. We know it. And Jesus Himself said, "You know, you can lose an arm, you can lose an eye, but make sure you get into heaven." It's in Matthew five. So we know, that. but. Why are we still talking about ministering, healing, and deliverance? Because through the demonstration of the power of God, we're going to be able to gather more people into salvation. And when we go out there and minister to those people who are outside church, and when they see the power of God, it will move them into the kingdom of God. So really, we are reinforcing the fact that eternal salvation is important. By pressing in for the demonstration of power of God, say, "God, we want to see your power, your miracles, healings, in order to gather more souls into your kingdom." Amen. Another question: Isn't doing good works more important than doing miraculous works? I you the point. For a believer, doing good works—that is, feeding the hungry, clothing those who are naked, taking care of the poor—doing good works and doing miraculous works. Are equally are both equally important you never gave us a choice we have to do both and both are motivated by the same love the love of god motivates us to do both whether you do good works or they do miraculous works, it's the same love you want to help me. so it's not an option it's not that i do one over the other we are here to do both and both are expressions of the love of God, flowing and working. Last two questions. What about the ministry of apologetics? Isn't that important? We thank God for apologetics, meaning the ability to reason and defend our faith. That's important. People have questions, we must provide the answers. We're not afraid of questions, not even intellectual questions. But here's what I want to point out. The whole ministry of apologetics is based on this verse of scripture in 1st Peter 3.15 where Peter writes, And be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. The word reason there is the Greek word apologia, out of which we base the ministry of apologetics, which is to give a reason for what we believe. Why do you believe in God? How do you know there is a God? How do you know creation took place. Valid questions. Are we not afraid of it. In fact, in the month of October, when we spend the month of October answering these questions, we're not afraid to present a reason of why we believe what we believe. But let's put things in perspective. When Peter wrote that verse, who was Peter? Acts 4.13 says Peter was an unlearned and ignorant man. So he wasn't A highly schooled, highly educated man. And he was saying, be ready to give a defense, a reason for what you believe. For Peter, his defense of the gospel was not some great intellectual argument or reasoning. But his defense of the gospel was, here's a man laying 40 years who's been healed. There's a notable miracle taking place and it's done in the name of Jesus Christ. That's my defense. Because remember, Peter was not. Highly educated man. For him, his defense was there's a miracle that's taken place here. That's my defense of the gospel. We're not against the ministry of politics, but here's what we want to do: we want to follow what Paul did. And that brings us to the last point where Paul reasoned and demonstrated everywhere he went. You can trace Paul to the book of Acts as he goes through different cities. One of the first things he does when he goes there is he goes to the synagogue and he begins to reason with the people. He begins to try to persuade them about who Jesus Christ is. And Paul could do that because Paul was a highly educated man himself. He knew the scriptures. And so he could reason with people and tell them: this is why I believe Jesus is the Messiah. This is why I believe that Jesus, you know, uh raised, was raised from the dead, and so on. He reasoned with the people. But what you see also throughout the book of Acts is that in every place, he not only reasoned, but he also demonstrated the power of God. And very often, it was the demonstration of the power of God that caused the people to turn to the Lord. One example that we've picked up here is in Acts 13, where Paul comes, verses 6 to 12, where Paul comes to the island of Paphos. And in the island, there's a governor. His name is Sergius Paulus, a very educated man. And interestingly, the governor, in his part of his administration, he had a man who practiced sorcery, witchcraft. So not only was he very intellectual, but he's also very spiritual. He has a lot of interest in spiritual things. So when Paul comes to the island, he goes and meets his governor, and he's reasoning with him. He's explaining to him. He's trying to persuade him concerning the things about Jesus Christ. And here's the sorcerer who's obstructing all these discussions. And so Paul turns around, And he says, you will be blind for three days. And the Bible says, this man became blind. And verse 12 says, when the governor saw and heard. So he saw what Paul was doing. Was by the power of God. Was much superior to what the sorcerer had. This practitioner of black magic had. And he also heard how Paul reasoned. Then he believed. So what was the clincher? He saw the demonstration of the power. So, as believers, we must be able to give a reason. We must be able to reason with people why you believe certain things. Or oh, why do you believe creation? Because I read Genesis 1. It's good. But can you give us some more reasons? Why do you believe in Jesus? I was born a Christian, my grandfather was a Christian. My father was a Christian. I'm born a Christian. Sounds good. But why do you believe in Jesus? I don't know, my name is John. <laughs> I mean, you can't talk like that. You've got to give a reason why you believe what you believe. And we are not afraid to reason, but we don't stop. Paul reasoned, and so yes, we'll tell you. But many people can always argue, whether they can counter argue. But then, when they see the power of God, that's when they know that what all everything they're saying holds water. So as believers, we must be able to both reason and demonstrate. Give an answer, give an explanation for what we believe, but also demonstrate the power of God. So people can see and know who Jesus Christ is. Amen. We're gonna continue next Sunday, and hopefully in a week or two you'll have the entire book. You can study we'll all study it together over the next couple of weeks as we equip ourselves on how to go out into this world and see the power of God work through our lives. I want to encourage you, even as we hear little by little different aspects of ministering, healing and deliverance, I want to encourage you to begin to take simple childlike steps of faith. One of the things about the kingdom of God, that in order to receive it, in order to experience it, one of the things that we have to be childlike. Amen? Matthew 18, Jesus brings little children. He says, Unless you become like one of these, like these little children, you can't see the kingdom. You're not going to experience the kingdom. Be childlike. That means when you see a need, you offer the prayer. You offer, expect God to do a miracle, do something. Be simple. childlike. like believing. And the more we I like that. I believe the more of God's kingdom, we will experience. Amen. So, I encourage during the course of this week, be timely to step out and say, "God, I'm hearing all this great stuff in church. Let me put it to work here in my school, my college, my place of work, with your friends, wherever." You pray, ask God for healings, ask God for miracles. Don't worry about the methods; we'll define it as we go along. God will use you as you and I step out in simple childhood faith and say, God, let the name of Jesus Christ be honored and glorified. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. Call our worship team up. As we take a few moments to pray before we close, we just ask the Lord, say, God, use me, use me to minister healing and deliverance to people. Use me, God. And my desire is only one thing. I want to glorify Jesus Christ. I want people to experience your love your power doesn't matter what your age is You know, some of you may have heard about Smith Wigglesworth he was just an ordinary man by trade. train he was a plumber and uh, yes he got saved serving God, but it was only at the age of 50 when he actually came to understand these things about the Holy Spirit and the power and the authority of Jesus and all of that and, and at the age of 50, God started using him to bring healing and, merit and deliverance to people. and He continued that way for 20 odd years. Today, he's known as the apostle of faith because of the great impact he had. He was very simple. He was not highly educated. He said, the only thing I read is the Bible. He wouldn't even read the newspaper. He wouldn't even let anybody bring the newspaper into his house. That's kind of the guy he wants. But he was so committed to the Bible, that was it. But God used him in different parts of the world to do amazing things. The point here is this. You know, if he started at the age of 50, he could start at any time. God could use you. So this morning we just pray and say, God, use me, God, to help hurting people. Use me to put your power on display. Let me not be afraid of the, the Bible, the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me not be ashamed of these things. Use me a all, Bring them into the kingdom. Rich or poor, educated or uneducated. I want to touch lives for your kingdom. Do you pray. Father, we just ask you. That by your Holy Spirit. You'll release grace on each life, Father. release grace on each And you will use each one, Father, in simply and powerful ways to do the works of God. Transform As our people, break us out of our fears, our inhibitions, our reluctance, and release us, liberate us, God, into boldness, into confidence, into that zeal and excitement and passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Transform us as a people, as a church, as a community. We'll go out there and make a difference with the power of God. Let your healing flow. It has a standing here this morning. we you have a need of healing, just right where you are. I want you to pray and say, Lord, I need this work of healing in my body. Just put your hand on that part of your body that you want the Lord to heal. Just pray a simple. Leave the healing anointing of God, the presence of God to heal in this place. So just go ahead. Just right where you are. Just. Put your hand on that part of your body, want God to heal. If it's your need, just put your hand on your name. Some other part of your body, if it's possible, just put your hand there and say, God, just let your healing words flow right now. Let your healing words flow. Lord, I we mean, just thank you. Just thank you. Healing merch of fluoride. restoring wholeness and health, Father, even in this place. We just thank you. We thank you, Father. We receive it. We receive it by faith. We pray that you'll use us out in this world. Use each one of us out in this world make a difference for your kingdom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's close. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us this day and ever in Jesus name Amen 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 Thank you for being here this morning God bless you Have a great Sunday and see you again
0: We trust that this message was a blessing to you We'd love to hear from you You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.